Welcome to the weekly podcast all about turning the great American RV adventure into stress-less camping. Each week, we explore tips, tricks, ideas, and destinations, and talk to the happiest campers in the RV world. Pull up a seat at the campfire as we enjoy some stress-less camping. We Welcome are stressless. to the campfire. <laughs> it is a pleasure to be back here with you. I am Tony. I am Peggy. And we are two RV industry veterans who travel part-time. In a small trailer. Looking to share big adventures and help you with great tips. Tricks. And discounts. So today we want to start with a little safety topic. Safety yeah. moment as I used to have at my corporate job. <laughs> Let's have a safety moment. Don't stand on the top rung of the ladder. <laughs> There's that. If you stand on the top rung of the steps to your RV, though, yes. be careful because now in these days right now, it's wet or cold. And that metal, if you haven't covered it with anything, is slippery. I had a friend that slipped down the stairs and hurt his back. Ooh, so that's no good. I sent him some links to carpet covers <laughs> and he's going to get some right away. He's pretty permanent, so he might also build a whole front porch. But in the meantime, he's going to get carpet covers so that he stops sliding down off the steps. Oh, God. Remember, our dog used to have issues with the yeah. steps before we put the covers on. So she really liked them. Yep. So, Roy, I hope your back is better Ugh. and that you got your carpet on your steps. And if you didn't, call me and I'll come over and do it. Yeah, or at the very least, put the anti-slip tape that he you can that. buy at the heart. Oh, he has that. Yeah, and but it that's just little work. strips. I know, it's, it's just like little tiny strips that doesn't sand, cover the edges and stuff. Sand glued to paper or whatever. So just be careful, everybody. Be careful going in and out and don't slip off of the steps. Yeah, exactly. And, and maybe put something there. That's my safety moment. You make me think of those RVs that have the really, 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 really cheap grab handles that uh -huh. are really hard to get your hands into. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like a handle. <laughs> it's like a drawer handle. Yeah, that's true. It's hard to even get a hold of. Yeah, those nice folding D-ring handles are also worth their weight in gold. Right. But do you use those every time you go in and out? Always. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Well, me and vision and steps, I have weird well, depth true. perception issues. I'm usually carrying something in yeah. or out. So. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I'm very careful on steps because... It weirds out my eyes. Yeah. It, it's weird. Being me is sometimes odd. He was probably racing the dog too. <laughs> <laughs> well, this week we've got a really interesting thing. It's sort of dumb things we've seen happen at campgrounds and how to avoid them. So kind of campground no-nos. Earlier in the year, we introduced you to our backyard called Camp Boredom. Mm -hmm. So today we're going to introduce you to Camp No-No. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back <laughs> with the trip to Camp No-No. We know lots of people who would love to try out stressless camping, but don't have an RV. That's why we love RV Share. It's a great way to test the waters without jumping in with both feet. With RV Share, you can rent other people's RVs so you can experience stressless camping firsthand. It's a great way to decide which RV is right for you. Try motorhomes, travel trailers, or fifth wheels and see what fits your lifestyle. And if you want a safe and secure way to make money with your RV, RV Share is the way to do that safe secure and a great way to start stressless camping so check out rv share on the discounts and deals page on our website today we're back here in camp no no <laughs> <laughs> oh no no we've seen some pretty bad ideas out yeah. there in the campgrounds and we just wanted to share some of those and why they're bad ideas and yeah to help you avoid those kind of mistakes some of right. them are expensive some of them are expensive <laughs> and some of them can easily be avoided our very first story i'll tell one on myself that i may have oh never told you beautimus all right here we go i was unhooking the truck from the trailer one time when it was parked at the dealership so that i could run around and run some errands oh uh, where i worked where you uh -huh. worked and i went out and unhooked the truck from the camper but i didn't put the wheel chocks in because it was flat yeah. <laughs> it's not that flat. No. Nope. Once I raised the truck up off the ball, the trailer actually rolled backwards. But luckily, I hadn't taken the chains off yet. So it pulled tight against the chains. 
and then I backed up the truck so that I could loosen the chains. Oh man! Well, and put the chocks in on the old truck, like two trucks ago. Now the old Ford. Remember how dented the license plate was <laughs> from kind of that sort of situation. Yeah. So I guess basically we saw somebody unhook their trailer from their truck, and it started to roll, and the safety chain stopped it from going anywhere. Right. Which is part of their job, basically. Right. We've seen it in other places, but I wanted to take this public place uh, to let Tony know I've actually done it myself. Jesus. <laughs> it was like our first, I don't know, month with the camper. So Okay. Well, c'est la vie. <laughs> the lesson here is when you're unhooking your truck from your travel trailer, if that's the configuration that you have, the safety chains should be the second to last thing you unhook. And they're there to, if your wheel chocks aren't holding or you just didn't put any or you whatever, mm-hmm. they're there to keep that trailer from rolling away and you becoming a YouTube sensation. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So the first lesson is don't unhook the safety chains until you're sure that trailer is set where it's set. Okay, you said second to last. Are we going to tell a story about what do you do last? Yes. Okay. That would be unhooking the emergency brake cable. So that's the last thing you want to do. Yeah. And that emergency brake cable is cabled from the trailer to the truck. Right. And if it gets tugged suddenly hard, it is going to put the brakes on on the trailer automatically so that the trailer stops. Correct. And the idea is that if you're rolling down the highway and the truck becomes dislodged from the trailer, it pulls that cable and then stops the trailer. Right. So it doesn't go rolling all over the highway, taking out people. But the other thing it's good for is... What was, you have a story about that. Yeah, so I know of a woman who, um, actually her hitch broke, and you can't really do anything about that except just always, you know, make sure that you check it and keep an eye on for any breakage, but the hitch actually broke, and the trailer came loose from her tow vehicle, and because she had the cable hooked in a configuration that wasn't attached to the truck, it was attached to the part that broke off, the cable didn't get tugged. So that trailer didn't set its own brake and it went ahead and rolled back. Yeah, a long way. Actually ended up across a campground and rolled right into a campsite and came to rest against a tree, which was kind of nice (laughs) before it hit a cliff. But the important thing is that that cable needs to be attached to something on the truck, not something that would come loose if your trailer comes loose from your truck. So the lesson is sometimes the hitch is a separate item from the truck or can break off from the truck. It's not likely, but you want to attach that emergency brake cable to the most solid thing under the truck, like the chassis would be a good thing. Or, you know, just a place where, God forbid, the hitch brake, at least emergency brake cable will stop your trailer. That's true of where you want your chains as well. You want those attached to something that's not likely to come loose from your tow vehicle. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we were watching somebody hook up their trailer. Yeah, earlier this year. Yeah. We saw someone who was ready to leave and they started to raise the nose of their trailer. They raised it. They raised it and raised it and raised it. And I looked over and their tires were two inches off the ground. Yeah. And Tony said, hey, put that back down and go put your back stabilizers up because the trailer was literally resting on the tongue and the two back stabilizers. Yeah, it was. And stabilizers are, as the name implies, there to stabilize the trailer, not lift the trailer. That's right. They just keep it from wiggling, basically. A lot of the weight still rests on the axles. So that person got really, really lucky that it held the weight and the stabilizers didn't just basically poke up through the floor. Well, they would more likely collapse. Oh, okay. And then it would have bounced on the tires. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, literally the tires were like two inches off the ground and yeah, yeah, I was whoops. I was kind of impressed seeing this. So I'm like, wow, yeah. that um, that's that's interesting. So if this is confusing to you and you don't really understand what we're talking about, or you can't visualize it, get your checklist. Make sure your checklist does things in order, and then do those things in order. Because if you start lifting up the trailer with the stabilizers down, you're going to be resting on those stabilizers, and that is not good. No es bueno, mi amigos. So, yeah, checklists make... For stressless camping. So, remember the first year we went to Christmas camping? 
I do. And it was so wonderful. And we're there with all our friends and we did fondue and oh, it was so great. It was great. And it was cold at night because, hello, it's Christmas. But that's what we have a heater for. Yeah. Heaters blasting away, keeping us nice and toasty until at some point in the middle of the night, you're like, why is it so cold in the here? The heater stopped working. Yeah. Is the heater off? Did we lose the battery? Because we're refrigerator stopped working. Uh-oh. So we ran out of propane. Yeah. So again, this was really early on in our trailering days, and we didn't have a really good process, and we had both of the propane bottles open. Yep. And so they both ran empty. (laughs) Yeah. So we ran out of both bottles of propane, and it was the middle of the night, and we were quite chilly, and it was somewhat of a bummer. And then the next day we had to go out hunting down propane. And it was Christmas Day. It was Christmas Day. So guess what? It's not easy (laughs) to find. So the lesson that we learned is to only use one bottle at a time. Yeah. When that bottle is empty, you swap over to the other bottle and then do something. Whatever it takes, do something to remember that that first bottle is empty. Maybe tie a red ribbon around it or something. Tie a yellow ribbon around the propane And as soon as you can, go ahead and get that first tank refilled so it's full when the second one runs out. Yeah, I really prefer knowing that I'm out of propane. But here's the thing. You're like, well, what if it happens in the middle of the night? Well, when else is it going to (laughs) happen? I mean, That's when it's bound to happen. It's not going to happen at a convenient time in the day. No, not at all. It's going to happen when it's the middle of the night and it's bloody cold. So what I like to do is you can pour hot water on a propane tank and you kind of feel the tank and you will notice you like run your hand down the side of the tank at a point it becomes considerably cooler because what happens is the propane that's in the tank absorbs the heat from the water and then it chills the outside of the tank and you you can feel by that cold line how full the propane bottle is right that is the quote unquote poor man's way to figure out how much (laughs) propane you have and you know you know let's say it's about to be nighttime and if you can tell gosh that tank is pretty empty switch over to the other tank and then next day go get you some new propane right you don't have to let it go completely empty and especially if you're just refilling sometimes if you're swapping you want every drop of that propane which is fine do that during the day though when it is convenient i prefer filling the tanks because i know what condition our tanks are in right and they are in good condition IMO in my opinion. I prefer refilling them because I'm, I usually don't run them all the way out unless it's the middle of the night. There's another way of measuring how much propane you have. You could ask Hank Hill. No, I'm just kidding. He could bring his propane accessories. <laughs> but seriously, folks, if you want to spend about a hundred bucks on this, there is a gadget that kind of magnetizes to the bottom of your propane tank and then it transmits to a little like a gauge that you could put inside your camper but even better it'll bluetooth to your phone from what i've seen it's a pretty accurate propane measuring thing but again it's a hundred bucks whereas hotnizing some water (laughs) is cheap so you said put that on the bottom so does it just like basically weigh the tank i have no idea how it works because you probably have to weigh it empty so it knows how to tear out the (laughs) <laughs> no, it. you set it like you say, okay, this is a 30-gallon tank. I don't know what it does. Okay. Maybe it's got ESP. Because we haven't spent the $100 to yeah, find out. Yeah, I'm not out. spending 100 bucks on that. <laughs> you can heat up a lot of water for 100 bucks. Uh, absolutely. Unless you have no propane, <laughs> then you're heating no water. Well, true. <laughs> <laughs> like I say, if you have an automatic switchover valve, how do you know it's switched over? Right. That's just me. Okay, luckily, this is not a story we can tell about ourselves. Oh, thank God. <laughs> and, you know, I've heard this happening to a lot of people on their first go out. Oh. So here comes a formerly happy camper, and they get to their campsite, and they're having a great time, and it's been a few days, and it's like, well, it's time to dump the tanks on our brand new trailer or RV, whatever the heck you have. And so they go... And they hook their sewer hose into the sewer hose fitting in the ground. And they drag it back to where the sewer cap is. And they open that cap and surprise. Ew. So they left the gates open. So here at Camp No-No, we're going to tell you, do not leave 
the gates open, make sure that you check if it's a new RV and you haven't touched it yet, go over there and make sure before you get started that those gate valves are closed. And again, if you haven't ever done it and you're not really sure what we mean, there's a gate valve that you can pull a lever and that opens the valve and you don't want that to open until you're actually hooked up. Everything is hooked up all the way to the sewer. Correct. Because that valve is what holds back the black water or the gray water. Right. Unless that valve is open and it's just the cap, which it's all going to come out and say hi right. when you twist that cap off. Oh and boy. I've seen more than one camper say, you know, they, it's their first trip and the dealer just left those gate valves open. That's I don't know why. crazy. I know, right? And I've seen it enough that it's stuck in my mind. So while we're on this topic, I'm going to remember that, you know, a lot of times I see people that ask, should we leave our valves open while we're hooked up? And the answer is definitively no. No. You do not ever want to leave those open. Now, the gray, I guess it's not that big of a deal. That gray tank can go ahead and empty. Although sewer smells and flies might come up into and your And even potentially your sink. sewer rats. And we've heard of a mouse getting up through there. Or was um, a rat, Rat, I think. whatever it is, they're all icky. Yeah. But more importantly, your black tank functions with water. So if you leave that gate valve open all the time and then every time you poo there's no water to start digesting that you're causing a poop pyramid and that is an expensive repair (laughs) yeah because nobody wants to clean (laughs) nobody really wants to clean that but that's what will happen is it will dry out and you won't be able to get it out with just water so always leave those gate valves closed until you're ready to dump because you also are wanting to use the gray water tank to flush the hose afterwards. So that's another reason to keep the gray water aboard until you're doing your tank flush. Right. I got so distracted with talking about rats that I forgot to say that Yeah, anytime you mention rats, boy, Peggy just loses her mind. Her feet are up in the chair. (laughs) She's cringing. (laughs) Does not like rats. Just make sure that your gate valves are closed until it's actually time to dump because the cap may be the only thing holding that back. And And when you (laughs) take that cap off so you can put the hose on, that's when all heck breaks loose. Surprise! Here's one that people are going to go, well, I've been doing this for years. Yeah, people are going to fight us with this. Yeah, and I'm sorry. But we're going to say it anyway. Don't leave your refrigerator running when you're driving down the road. Well, don't even leave your propane turned on. Don't leave your propane turned on. And if you don't leave your propane turned on, you can't leave your refrigerator running unless you have one of those schmancy new 12-volt refrigerators. Yeah, then go ahead. Then go for it. Have at it. But the point is not whether you should run your refrigerator. The point is whether you should have your propane tanks open while you're driving. Well, and a refrigerator is a source of ignition. And if it's got an unlimited supply of propane and something goes wrong, then kabooey. And you might say, well, I've been doing this for years and I've seen all over the internet that it's okay okay but we have firefighter friends who have told us the opposite and what do they usually say well i've never seen this happen before until it does right so that's just our take you know we we err on the side of caution right and dometic claims that that fridge will hold food safe temperature for six to eight hours even when it's turned off. And I still say that when we drove three hours in August without the refrigerator running, the drumstick bars didn't melt one tiny little bit. No. They were just fine. No, they were frozen solid. I would get a lot of people, not a lot, but enough people who would call and say, hey, Mr. Warranty Guy, I want to file a warranty because the awning ripped right off the side of my trailer. Uh-oh. And my response would be, I am so sorry, but that is a user error. It is not a warranty issue. There is no circumstance that you're using your awning correctly and it flies off of your trailer. Okay, let's say a super surprising gust of wind. Okay, but it's still not a warranty issue. No, it's an insurance issue at that point. Right. The awning is a gigantic sale. Basically, I mean, it's a huge sheet of vinyl that's open. It is, I mean, it's bigger than the sail on some sailboats. And if you could make a sailboat go with a piece of cloth that big. And a gust of wind. That awning will pull right out of the side of your RV. And that is expensive and a bummer. Yeah, it's a really bummer. So don't leave your awning out. If you're leaving, even if you're going for a walk, if you're going to sleep, If there's any chance that you know of, of any kind of wind blowing, 
put your awning in and don't leave it out because yeah. there's no need to take that risk and then have that problem. Not only is it going to be expensive, but you're not going to have an awning. For months and months, months and months. and months. <laughs> which we know because if you've been following us for a while, we hit a tree on a very tight two-lane road and damaged our awning. And that was in June or July? When was that? August. Okay, it was August. Right now we're recording this in October. November. Okay, we're recording this in November. You'd think I'd know how to work a calendar, right? (laughs) And I just talked to the people and they said, "Mm, February is the earliest we expect to get the new awning. So from August to February is how long it's taking right now. Yeah. At this time in 2020 to get a new awning. And I wasn't picky. I'm like, you know, I'll get either the original factory original. I'll get a carefree. Doesn't matter. You know, whatever fits and works, I'm happy. And we're still waiting for that. So just take care of your awning. Yeah. Don't let it blow up. Okay, the next one, we really don't have any specific story we really that don't. I can think of, but we have a podcast. We do. So we, some time ago, talked about boondocking. I believe it was called Don't Be Spooked by Boondocking. <laughs> one of my favorite podcast titles <laughs> ever. So that tells me it was... Mid-October, because we were in spooky mood and getting ready for Halloween. So it was October of 2019, if you're looking for it. It was called Don't Be Spooked by Boondocking. And it was all kinds of information that we have garnered boondocking, because we really, really like to do it. And what we're just going to tell you is... Listen to our podcast, listen to other people's podcasts, watch some YouTube videos, read some articles. Don't go out there unprepared. Don't go out to the middle of nowhere or in the middle of somewhere and plan to boondock and not be prepared for that. One of the things we said there, and you know, we can go listen to that whole episode. It's episode number 17. But you can always practice boondocking at a full hookup campsite by just basically not hooking not up hooking and up. just seeing how stuff works. Right. And so you want to make, you know, here's some of the super basics. You need water, you need power. So make sure that you have your tanks full and your propane full and you know where you're going and someone else knows where you're going and all those things. Just do it safely. Yeah, listen to episode 17. There you go. Don't be spooked by boondocking. (laughs) So my friend Sean is an insurance adjuster. Yeah, he bet he can tell some stories. Oh, he can. <laughs> One of the stories that he tells is that there was somebody who had all this stuff on their travel trailer mounted to the back bumper. Oh, I've seen that. It broke. I've seen people who put a whole bunch of stuff on their back bumper. And maybe some of them haven't broken yet. yet. Until it does. Indeed. <laughs> and then Sean will look at your claim and go, no, it specifically says in your manual, do not attach stuff to your bumper. Your claim is denied. So there are different bumpers. Of course, every manufacturer is going to be different. And even within manufacturer, I think that even Rockwood has done some different things with their bumpers over the last couple of years. Well, no, they put a small receiver hitch. But didn't they do something to make that capable of holding that receiver? Yeah, but that is attached. It's a hitch designed specifically to carry, I don't remember, I think 150 pounds, and it's attached directly to the front. They had to beef up the frame to do it. So it's not on the bumper. Correct. The bumper is still a hollow steel tube that rusts from the inside. Right. (laughs) And so you won't know that it's rusted enough until whatever you've attached to that bumper has broken off and someone behind you swerved and they were very upset and they called their insurance company or the CA HP, and that insurance company called your insurance company and your insurance company said, meh, tough luck. So it's not so much a matter of don't put anything on the back of your camper. It's don't put anything on the back bumper of your camper unless you know that that bumper is designed to hold that weight. Well, people assume that it is, but it's usually right. not. It's usually, usually not. the bumper is not a structural thing. It is just there to, to hold a sewer hose. And if there's something structural back there that can hold weight, it's usually attached to the frame, not to the right. bumper. So look at your manual, know your RV, but typically don't attach anything to the bumper that didn't come from the factory. And I know there's all those accessories that you see on all the interwebs. There's bike racks bike and ladders and, and barbecues and ladders and, and generator totes, all kinds of all stuff kinds that of say, stuff. oh, attaches to your bumper. I mean, there's even a hammock frame that you can hang well, from your bumper. Yeah. And that, okay. So here's the thing. When you're driving down the road 
you know, when something is what they call a static load, in other words, the trailer's sitting there, it's not exercising a lot of stress. I mean, yeah, it's a cantilevered source of weight, right? It's kind of hanging off the back. But boy, once you get rolling down the road, it's behind the axle, it's shaking up and down like mad. That is a tremendous amount of stress. And it's just not designed for that. Not at all. So don't. (laughs) Don't. Don't do it. All right. So you might know that we live in Northern California. Yeah. You might know that we are plagued by wildfires every year. Yeah. You might know that the fire in Paradise, California was called the Camp Fire. Yeah. Because it was started by a Camp Fire. Yeah. Please do not leave your Camp Fire unattended. No, that's super bad. That is super bad. And I mean, not even glowing coals. Don't go to bed when it's glowing coals. There are ways to put out that fire. There's water, there's sand, there's dirt. Well, by coincidence, we did a whole podcast with somebody from the Department of Forestry. We did indeed. And so we will put a link to that episode. It was really good about campfire safety tips. And the lady we spoke with was terrific with all kinds of great tips on how not to burn things down. Right. Really good information. So please listen to that. Or again, do some research or don't do some research, but put your dog on fire out when you're walking away from it. Yeah. And by the way, your fire pit is not an ashtray. Yeah, we have friends who work in campgrounds and it's a huge pet peeve of theirs. It's really disgusting because if you leave, and I mean, this is true of all trash. You know, we've talked before about leave no trace. And part of leave no trace is don't leave cigarette butts all over the ground. And so people think, oh, well, I'm just going to throw them in the fire pit. That's better. That's not better. Because then there's just a pile of butts in the fire pit and the campground host has to go pick those out. Yeah. You know, a lot of times it's hard to get good help, as you know. And these campground hosts have told us many stories about having to get cigarette butts out of a fire pit. Because you don't want to go to a campsite, you know, check in and there's cigarette butts in there. Right. So So they're not trash cans. They're not ashtrays. Please respect your fire pit. Yeah. And listen to that episode. So we also got to talk to the Bear Whisperer. We did. We talked to Steve Searles from Mammoth, the Bear Whisperer, and he gave a lot of hints about how you can avoid feeding the bears. Yeah. You don't want to feed the bears. They're cute and cuddly from afar or in a postcard. Yeah. You don't want to feed the raccoons. You don't want to feed the squirrels. You don't want to feed any of those wild animals. Yeah, because then what happens is, and again, we'll put a link to this podcast with Steve Searles, but what happens is the bears become accustomed to eating your food, stop hunting for their own food, and suddenly they're a menace, and it's not their fault. Right. So you don't want to have to put them down. And I don't mean just, you know, like insulting their mama. (laughs) So places that are known to have bears or have, you know, any kind of wild animal problems usually will provide some kind of a box for your food. So if you're a tent camping, for example, that's a place to lock up your food. And if you're RVing, it's pretty safe. Steve told us that bears aren't likely to come in when they know you're there. But if you leave a juice box in the Minivan, <laughs> yeah, for bears, example. Bears can literally pull the doors off of a vehicle. I yeah. mean, it's because they're designed to claw into logs and stuff. That's where the food is. And so a car door is nothing compared to chewing up a log. So, right. And their sniffers are really good. So I read a quote, and I wish I could remember where it came from, but I read a quote the other day that said that when they were trying to design bear boxes, that they were having a hard time finding a latch... Oh, <laughs> that would outsmart the smartest bear, but not outsmart the, the not dumbest smartest camper. camper. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I think the ones at Mammoth were very clever. I'm pretty sure that they work really well. It took me a second to figure it out, but I did. Yeah. So use those boxes. And if they're kind of flimsy-ish wooden boxes, that means you probably aren't going to have a bear come through camp, but that's for the raccoons and the squirrels and other kinds of things that you just don't want hanging around your camp. When I was a kid and we went like tent camping, we would tie our Coleman cooler and throw a rope over a tree limb and like suspend the cooler up in the air. That was always cool. I always thought that was neat. Yeah. Don't want to do it too high because bears can climb trees. They can. Yogi is smarter than the app. <laughs> okay. 
wow, are you doing okay out there? You still with us? Not worried about stuff? A lot of this is really easy to avoid. Right. And of course, as always, if you have a question, a comment, or a complaint, or you just have nothing better to do, come join us on our Facebook group. It's a great place to communicate and share your ideas and tips. We're going to keep going. Again, we're back with our firefighter friends who literally just rolled on an RV fire just recently because somebody had left an electric heater running all day long in their RV. And by the time they got there and noticed it, the biggest thing they could do is keep the other RVs from burning because there is no hope for that one. Oh, man. Yeah. So... I oh, I could say things about electric heaters anyway, I won't say. But again, a lot of this is just common sense. Like I said, not to leave mm-hmm. your... <laughs> no, like we said earlier, not to leave your awning out, not to leave your campfire burning. I don't know about common sense because RVs are different than houses. They're not built the same. And for example, usually all of the plugs in an RV, all of them are wired off one circuit so they're you know it's like one gfi plug and they just don't have the capacity that a house does so yeah i can understand using an electric heater with a thermostat in it not the ones that just go 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 well i mean i would make the same advice in a house i wouldn't yeah i would not recommend leaving an electric heater and going away from the house no i completely agree as does our friends who are firefighters right yeah be careful using electric heat or any heat for that matter Mm -hmm. i wouldn't leave it unattended it says so right on the box (laughs) that the thing comes in. that's right and while we're on the subject of electricity we also had an episode with mike sokol rv electricity guy this is kind of like the recap yeah (laughs) if you have a fuse you've blown multiple times there was a guy who had landing jacks and It wouldn't go, so he put a much larger fuse in, and then he fried the whole system. And it turns out one of the relays that operates one of the jacks was bad, and the fuse was there to protect him. Right. And instead, it just blew out his whole system. Fuses are sized the way that they should be sized. They're there for a reason. And if you have a few, I mean, you know, a fuse can blow out. That can happen. Yeah. But if you replace it with the same fuse and it blows out again, there might be a different reason. No, there is. I mean, <laughs> without a doubt, the, the reason that fuse is It might not just blowing, be that you got a whole batch of bad fuses. Right. If you're getting a fuse that keeps blowing, figure out why. Because it's not the fuse and gosh, don't put a bigger fuse in. Yeah. That's, that because now we're right back up to the fire danger. Yeah, fire in RVs is super bad. Okay, almost at the end. We're almost done bumming you out. Oh, how many times have we seen crunched corners on roofs of RVs? Oh, too many times. Yeah, when you get to a campsite, I like to walk the campsite and look up and down and all around. Right, not just where the tires are going to go, not just where that flimsy rusting bumper is going to wind up. (laughs) But look up, look to where your air conditioner is going to be and where the corners of your RV are going to end up. Because if you've got a tree with a branch hanging way out, that could cause a danger to your camper. One of the things that we advise in our RV basic training camp is maybe getting either cones or even your orange Legos, those jack pad stand thingies. Something bright. Yeah. It's easy to see. As sort of a marking of where you want to shoot for regarding the end of that trailer or RV, or maybe even mark. Sometimes I don't know why campgrounds put stuff really low that you're going to hit. Because you're going to hit it. Right. So I look for those two and we might mark those with one of those Legos so they're easier to spot. Or also red Solo cups. We have a little stack of red Solo cups in the camper that's for marking and theoretically so that someday I can take the camper to a parking lot and just practice. But (laughs) I haven't got around to that yet. Yeah, but you're fine at it. So I'm fine so far. But now with the new truck, I'm going to have to learn all over again. I know, right? (laughs) When I went camping, I went to this car event and I went camping by myself and I didn't leave until after work when I was working at the RV dealership and I get there and it is dark and it's raining man I hate setting up in the dark and I hate setting up in the rain and so when I thought I was done 
A, again, checklist make for stressless camping. But I pulled away from the trailer with the 7-pin still plugged in. Oops. Which pulled right out of the bumper. Yeah. I like to get there before it's yeah. dark. It's only been a couple of times, and I wasn't with him on that trip, but there's only been once or twice that we've arrived at a camp after dark. Actually, one was very recently. Yeah. Because we just waited too long to get started. And it is a lot harder. And it happens to be cold right now, too, so... Then it's cold and dark and you're tired and you're ready for dinner. And And you're playing with water. Yeah. So you're better off, of course, getting there during the day when you can see everything that's going on. But even if something happens someday and you are running late and you get there after dark, get your checklist out. Yeah. Checklist make for stressless camping. And speaking of which, you might want to have some form of weather. Well, I like a weather radio, but also some sort of weather forecasting Usually our phones have that. Right. But if you're going to a place where you aren't familiar with the weather and you aren't familiar with whether whether or not there's signal, your phone might not do the trick for you. No. So if it's the time of year and you're in the part of the country where weather could be a problem, a weather radio is always a really good idea so that you can make sure that you're not driving into something that you're not going to be able to deal with. There was a time when knowing the weather really saved our bacon. We were coming home from Southern California and it was super windy. It was and really knowing windy. that it was super windy, we delayed our departure by a day. Yep. Boy, am I glad we did. Because yep. it was, did I mention it was super windy? It was super windy. Yeah, it was. And also super also, windy. Also, it was windy. <laughs> It was blowing over trailer windy. So we stayed an extra night and waited for the wind to die down a little bit. Indeed. There was that time, not in band camp, where (laughs) I don't remember why you weren't with me, but I had the trailer in the truck. I'm not sure which time you mean, so I don't know. Uh, well, I'm driving home, and I'm I'm driving in an area that I wasn't familiar with. There was no cell signal, and I had no gas. And I'm driving, driving. I literally even saw somebody in their yard, and I'm like, dude, where is the closest gas? Because I, I don't want to push this thing. Wow. And I don't remember. I can picture the place in my mind, and it was just me. But I don't remember. Was it when you went to the beach with... No, I'm coming home from like Santa Rosa area or something. Anyway, who cares? Maybe it was the same weekend that you pulled the plug out. You know, it may very well have been right the cursed weekend. But I did get to drive fast on a racetrack. So there there you go. (laughs) But basically, try to plan your fuel in advance. And there are apps that will help with that. Yeah. You know how many gallons you carry in your vehicle. You know how about how far you can go. And so I'd look because finally when I did find gas, it was like 560 a gallon. It was <laughs> nuts. And I was so happy to pay it. Yeah, actually that new app that we got with RV Life, the RV Trip Wizard, has a calculation so it'll tell you when you're going to need to stop for gas. Yeah, listen to Patrick. We interviewed him on that and that's a great app. It does have that. Mm-hmm. See how many things we've learned over the years, you yeah. guys? <laughs> I know. We're such a bunch of screw-ups. Have you noticed that a lot of these stories are about us at Camp No No? <laughs> hey, we make these mistakes so you don't have to. <laughs> some people are treasure hunters. And yeah. sometimes people like to find things that they just find laying around on the ground. And I suppose if you got to a campground and you found, I don't know, like some extra wheel chocks laying on the ground, you'd be like, oh, bonus, I won something. Water pressure regulator. Water pressure regulator. But you know what that means is that the last guy forgot that. Yeah, we have gotten to a campsite and I go to hook water up and there's a pressure regulator. I'm like, okay, sorry, bud, but now that's mine. No, I I turned it in. No, actually, I think because I think the camp host at that camp had some. It was theirs. Is that that, it? I think that was it. We didn't keep it because we already had one. Yeah, we have one and that's not I'm not going to say that if we didn't already have one, it wouldn't have been very tempting, but we didn't happen to need that. So we didn't keep it. No, we'd be good campers (laughs) and give it to the camp host. Come on. Look at who you're talking to. I can't tell a lie. I can't I know, steal. Right? I'm the most honest person in the world. And she's married to me. <laughs> former RV salesman. <laughs> but we were honest there. We tried to treat people well. Anyway. That's right. So basically, uh, it's good to have a checklist again to make sure you don't forget <laughs> stuff that's yours. Because you know, like, I've heard of people leaving, like, surge suppressors and right? expensive that's stuff. expensive. And so you're bummed. I mean... I remember John and Kathy left something behind and it got 
sent to them at wherever they were. Oh, but yeah. anyway, it's better to not sure. leave it. Right. The next people in the campsite might not be honest like me. And you might it's not ever see not. that thing again. <laughs> so Woo-hoo! just what I like to do is once we get Tony all hooked up, get the camper hooked up to the truck. And I have a beer. Oh, oh, no, this is when leaving. we leave. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't have a beer When we're hooked up, then. not unhooked. We hook up and he pulls out into the road. And then I walk around the camp one last time and make sure I don't see anything laying on the ground. Make sure I don't see anything dangling from the camper. <laughs> make sure I put the steps up in. I just do one last walk around while he, I don't know downloads podcasts for the road right I, I actually do well it's even good to do that at a filling station while you're waiting for your fuel to fill up right do a walkabout around your rv and yep. just look yep. and see like you know is your mother-in-law still sitting on the bumper <laughs> not mine i like mine yeah <laughs> there you go have we scared you have we inspired you what the heck i hope that we've inspired you and yeah. i hope that you've been entertained by our stories yeah and helped you learn a little bit of lesson. Don't be a Tony and Peggy. <laughs> One last thing, and I'm not sure how to word this into a camp no-no situation, but I just feel like we need to reiterate camp etiquette a little bit. There's a lot of new campers and a lot of people just don't know these things. So rather than be mad, and it's really hard to know how to deal with it. If you tell somebody, hey, that's not the right thing to do, they could get mad at you. And if you don't, then you're mad at you. And I get that it can be very sensitive. So hopefully the more times that people hear these guidelines and don't break them, the less people will be upset at each other over things that are going on in a campground. So just really a few things. Don't play your radio or TV loudly enough that it can be heard three spaces down, especially after dark. And especially after dark. I think probably most campgrounds, quiet time is 10, maybe even nine. Know what that time is and turn it down. You should be able to walk to the edge of your site and not be able to hear that. If you can hear it inside an RV three spaces down, it's it's too loud. And the same thing goes for lights. You yeah. should not have a light that's shining in your neighbor's window or, you know, really your lights shouldn't exit your campsite. And I know lights well, are I mean, bright after, and sites are small. quiet time. Right, after quiet time. I mean, time. you know, if you're sitting out there and enjoying, like a lot of awnings like ours used to have lights on them, and we'd leave it on while we we're sat under it, but then at quote-unquote quiet time, we'd turn it off, roll up the awning, and go inside. Right. Or stay seated outside and stay just seated be outside. quiet. But let's always assume that someone is there to stargaze, and if you've got lights shining in their eyes, they can't see the sky. <laughs> okay. I just think be a good neighbor with your lights yeah. as well. Tony and I are very different. He's not yeah. even my good neighbor because he always wants lights oh, and I yeah. never do. I would, I would put floodlights outside an RV. <laughs> I'm that guy. So the other thing to know is that the site boundary is the site boundary and you shouldn't cut through someone else's campsite. You know, I'm sure that's a shortcut to the bathroom, but you really should walk around. You wouldn't walk through that person's front yard to get to the outhouse or whatever. Get off my lawn. <laughs> get off my lawn, you darn kids. Keep out of people's campsites. If you're traveling with children, tell them that they shouldn't be in other people's campsites. And for heaven's sakes, put your dog on a leash so they don't go in someone else's campsite. Yeah. I remember when we were camping at the state park and there was that guy, dog never was on a leash and it came into our camp and started growling at our friend's dog. And it's like, Dude, mind your dog. And of course, he gets all an attitude. And it's like, well, you're he got the one. offended that we said anything to yeah, him. Yeah, like, you're the we one were breaking the, the rule. Yeah. Don't be that. Just guy. be a good person. Yeah, be neighborly. Be more Andy Griffith and less Archie Bunker. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's just a good rule to live by. Won't you be? my neighbor. <laughs> or yeah, or Mr. Rogers. And on the topic of radios and TVs, that goes for generators too. We were at one campground where there was a quiet time for like radios and TVs and loud voices, but then there was a way more restrictive generator yeah, hours. I was really surprised. I think you couldn't start your generator till 10 a.m. or something. Yeah, it was like 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. It was weird. It was something really small window. So Again, they tell you what those rules are, and if you're not going to follow them because you're just going to do what you're going to do, just consider how other people are affected by that. Maybe, yeah, exactly. Be again more Mr. Rogers, less Archie Bunker. Right. So there you go. Now that we've done the whole Miss Manners thing, we will be right back after this. (laughs) 
Hey, I see you're packing for our next road trip. Oh, yeah. These are all the ingredients for making different grilled cheese sandwiches with our grub stick. Great. But uh, where are the clothes? I got all kinds of inspiration for making grilled cheese sandwiches with our grub sticks over the campfire. There are 11 kinds of cheese and bacon, bacon jam, ham, five kinds of bread. Wait, 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 okay. That's all for making grilled cheese sandwiches? Yeah. I know the grub stick is the perfect campfire accessory made of quality parts that work together for sandwiches, hot dogs, s'mores, woofums, and all sorts of other great meals. But isn't this a bit too much variety? Camping is supposed to be simple. Oh, it's simple to use your grub stick over the campfire or even on the barbecue to make great meals. And even kids can use them safely and easily. Plus, with the coupon code HAPPYCAMPERS, you get 15% off your grub sticks. It's the best deal around. Yeah, but it's going to take us weeks to eat that mini grilled cheese sandwiches. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Weeks of grilled cheese. You say that like it's a bad thing. And you haven't even seen what I packed for breakfast and dinners. We are going to be camping for months. My husband is insane. But Grubstick is the perfect cooking accessory for any campfire. And you can get 15% off using the coupon code HAPPYCAMPERS from our partners page at StresslessCamping.com. All right, we are back and we have this week's gadget report. And the gadget report is... The Fire Pit Tripod. Indeed, we are very fortunate in that we have a friend who is an awesome, awesome blacksmith. And he crafted up a fire pit tripod. And what that is, is... It is basically three bars that are attached at the top in some manner. And they stand over your fire pit. So you can either hang a Dutch oven or you can hang... a grill and we most commonly hang a grill because we have a big deep frying pan but not a dutch oven with a handle so we hang a grill and then we put the frying pan on the grill and it becomes our dutch oven it's a cast iron pan yeah yeah and this tripod is strong enough that devon made for a studio a rock star rock star it will hold that thing and not budge at all right so it's a heavy heavy cast iron it's a heavy big skillet with a heavy big lid so that thing is quite strong and we use chains and a grill. I looked a little bit online. I found one as low as $30. I'm not sure I would hang anything very heavy from that. What started this is I, I saw somebody with one. It was Karen Musser Norton. Oh, right. Right? Right. And she had one and I'm like, oh, I want one of those. So we started looking on Amazon because hello, that's where you always start. And all the ones I'm like, oh no, that ain't going to hold. They yeah. look cheap and they were cheap. And there are ones that have retractable legs or the fold up legs like, you know, a tent leg will fold up. And those, I just wouldn't want to trust hanging anything very heavy off of those. No. I found one on eBay that was about $150 that looked pretty well made, like Devin's is very well made. So there are tons of options out there if you want to go that route. I would recommend, you know, knowing how heavy your pan is going to be and Devin also said plan he, accordingly. I mean, if you wanted one like what Devin made for us, we'll put a picture. He said he'd do it. And what did oh, he, okay. it was like 125 bucks or 100 yeah. bucks. or We'll post a picture of ours and Devin said he would make it i think the shipping might be <laughs> shipping might be a little because bit it's, outrageous. it is not lightweight or flimsy but man this thing that he made for us has an adjustable lift mechanism mm-hmm. and it's just i mean it's stuck well in concrete which we used last weekend it's stuck in blacktop yeah it's he made stuck the, in, the bottoms of the feet pretty pointy so yeah. that it'll stick down into the gravel but it also yeah it stands very solidly on concrete and everything. yeah it's super cool but yeah those things are, are neat because you can grill you know we got a grill from the local hardware store and chains and that's what we hang there and then we put the uh, cast iron pot on the grill or we just grill on the grill right so it's a cool thing we have used the heck i mean we never (laughs) don't have that with us now camping that was pretty much how we broke in camp boredom was we learned to use the fire pit and the tripod and we cooked a bunch of meals just to know that we could do it yeah it's cool so anyway that's our gadget of the week We hope that you enjoyed our trip to Camp (laughs) No-No. And if you didn't enjoy it, at least I hope you learned from it. Yeah, hopefully you're not. What a bunch of screw-ups those guys are. (laughs) (laughs) I hope that you are able to learn lessons that we learned without having to actually do those mistakes. Indeed. And that will be really good for you. And if you did learn anything, come on to our Facebook page and let us know about it because we want to know that we're helping. And we also, if you have seen stuff where you're like, oh, you think that's bad, check this out oh gosh sure that there too and if you've seen a friend do 
do something at Camp No-No and you don't want to directly face them, tell them to listen to us. <laughs> Maybe they'll yeah. recognize Send themselves. Send them a link to the podcast. <laughs> and you know, we've been asking a different question every week. So last week's question is, what you doing for Turkey Day for That's Thanksgiving, right. which is coming right up here? And we are actually going camping and we might have actually in our Facebook group found someone who might join us because they weren't sure what they were going to do. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be at the Benbow KOA. That's right. If there's any spaces, come join Super us. looking forward to that because I've heard a lot about that inn and never got to visit. So. Yeah, we're about to get more business closures. And so let's hope that, yeah. you know, well, well, you know, it's all for the greater good, right? right? But anyway, people said, yeah, some people are going camping. Some people have great camp recipes, recipes and such. Yep. Next week, we will be back on Thanksgiving with great camp recipes. Yeah, we have We some. have some guests the way we did last year, and they're going to share some of their fabulous recipes with us, which Indeed. is super exciting. Yeah, we already have some of them recorded. And mm-mm. Mm-mm. this week, we're going to ask you, is it appropriate to fly a flag other than the American flag at a campground? Do you think it's cool to put political or issue-related flags? subject touchy subject we are not getting political we're just asking you about flags this is only about flags please do not answer with any kind of political answer just tell us if you think that it's okay to fly your flag or if you think that that should remain unflown yeah we don't talk politics or religion in our stressless camping facebook and we will not allow that starting now so if you post something that's political we will take it down indeed because we're talking about camping doug on it and that's That's right well if you don't want to miss a future episode of stressless camping podcast did you know it it's is free. Absolutely. And you can find us on any podcast app, including Stitcher now. We're saving a seat for you around our virtual campfire. And you know how to tell others? If you write a review on Apple Podcasts, why that lets Apple Podcasts know people are listening and also gets them to promote our podcast a little bit more so we can get better guests and better topics and all of that good stuff. That's right. That's what's in it for you. And you can actually find the Apple Podcast on our website at www.stresslesscamping.com. Yeah, Apple now made it so that we can embed those. If you haven't already figured out how to get your podcast on your Apple phone or something, just go. Or if you're not using an Apple phone. Or if you're not using an Apple phone, (laughs) (laughs) just go hop over to our website www.stresslesscamping.com You can listen to the podcast podcast on the Apple Podcasts, or you can jump off of there and go to all the other social places like Facebook and Instagram. Those places where we are. Thank you again for joining us this week. Hopefully you learned something and got something worth sharing. We really appreciate your being here. We do. Once again, happy happy camping. camping. We hope you learned a lot, had some fun, and got some tips for your next stressless camping adventure. We're honored by your reviews on Apple Podcasts, which helps others find us too. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss out on the adventure. And we look forward to your joining us next week. Until then, happy camping!